Jesus began his public ministry with what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is considered the greatest sermon ever told. You should read it. It's great. It is Jesus' most popular teaching. It is the least understood of his teachings, and unfortunately, the least applied and the least obeyed. So he begins his ministry with the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are these kind of eight statements of who's actually blessed in this world. And so I figured as we begin our ministry here in this space and as we begin the decade here, um, I think it's appropriate that we kind of do what Jesus did, which is kind of begin with the Beatitudes. I think much of the world would be different if believers of Christ actually Um, exhibited these characteristics of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So there's eight Beatitudes. There's eight weeks until Lent. So the math works out. We'll study one Beatitude a a week. Uh, Many people read the Beatitudes as if it's a prayer or as if it's a wish of Christ. uh, Many people think that the Beatitudes are Jesus' wish for how the world would actually be. And that could not be further from the truth. Jesus does not say, if you do this, then I'll bless you. There is no if this, then that um, technology in the Beatitudes. He makes very, very simple statements. He says, blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, These are not wishes of Christ. These are not prayers of Christ. Um, Jesus is just pulling back the curtain of the universe and saying, the people in the world that I'm blessing are these people. So with that said, would you grab your Bible or there's some around you or your app on the phone? We will be in Matthew chapter 5. We'll read it together and then we'll just uh, tackle very quickly the first beatitude. Matthew 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is shocking that Jesus says the kingdom is given to the poor. If you've never read this, this should kind of 
make you fall out of your seat. Really, the poor is who's getting the best gift. The kingdom of heaven, the, the greatest authority in the universe is given to the poor. You have to ask, what does it mean to be poor? To be genuinely poor means that you have zero capacity to meet the most fundamental needs of your life. Now, if you um, are to drive around, you um, can see poor people. Um, there are many reasons why people are on, on the streets. Um, sometimes it's, oftentimes it's mental illness. Sometimes it's uh, a substance abuse problem. Um, so, but sometimes people are actual, actually legitimately poor, meaning that they have no capacity to provide for the most fundamental needs of their life, which are food, shelter, and clothing. A genuinely poor person, if someone from the outside does not graciously help them with their most basic needs, they will die. That's what it means to be poor. And we're not talking about, um, you know, people who may have chosen to not work, which is very few people in the street, or any of these other things. We're talking about, like, legitimate poverty is you have no way to take care of yourself. And Jesus says that he is blessing and he has blessed those who are poor in spirit. Um, he's talking spiritually here. It's poor in spirit. So this is a metaphor of sorts. Poor in spirit does not mean poor spirited. It does not mean down on yourself. He is not saying blessed are those who have low self-esteem, which often people read that Jesus is blessing those who have low self-esteem. That's a whole other issue. It's really pride. But um, he says the poor in spirit are who he's blessing. And so the big idea of what it means to be poor in spirit is very simple, and we'll throw this on the screen for you, is to be poor in spirit is to acknowledge our spiritual bankruptcy before God. Newsflash. The reality is we are all spiritually poor. We are all spiritually bankrupt. There's nothing we can do to add to our salvation. Some of the final words of Christ on the cross were, it is finished, not it's 90% done. Why don't you finish it up? No, no, no. We have nothing to add. I grew up um, in a trailer park. I grew up pretty poor. Um, and there, we, have, we would talk about it like this. We would say, um, there's poor, and then there's po. Like, you're so poor, you can't afford the extra O or the R. You're just po, right? And that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here. Blessed are the po in spirit. There are really two groups of people in the world. In Matthew 9, verse 13, Jesus makes an incredible statement. It's pretty unpopular. He says, for I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. In this one verse, Jesus lumps all of humanity into two groups of people, and it's not Democrats and Republicans. It's not even rich or poor. It's not white or black. It's not east and west. In this verse, Jesus puts everyone into two groups. There are people who think they're righteous and they're good on their own. And then there's people who know they are sinners. There's no sliding scale according to Jesus. For those of us 
today, we either pretend we don't need him or we acknowledge that we do need him. It's that simple. And for most Christians in the West, and probably for most in this room, the greatest hindrance you have to receiving the kingdom of heaven is not your scandalous sins, it's your empty good deeds. It takes courage and humility to recognize that you are just as messed up internally as the drug addict you despise next door. But many will never be that honest with ourselves. So my question for you as we start the new decade in here is pretty chipper. Are you poor in spirit? Or more appropriately, have you recognized and acknowledged that you are spiritually poor and that you have nothing to bring to the table? To help as a good pastor, I have four things to show. These are four characteristics of people who are not poor in spirit. So if you see yourself in one of these, it's a clue that you might have some digging to do on this subject. Number one, people who think they're rich in spirit serve God like taking medicine. People who are not poor in spirit, they obey primarily to get something for themselves. They have to. They serve God like taking medicine because they, they, they need to because they're not trusting in God's grace. In contrast, true children of God, true disciples of Jesus who recognize their spiritual poverty, they love to do God's will and they love to serve him simply because they're grateful that he has saved them. So if you serve God or if you worship God as if it's taking medicine, you really don't want to do it, that may be some fruit of you not fully recognizing your spiritual poverty. The second characteristic of people who are not poor in spirit is that their hearts are ruled by fear and not love. Unfortunately, this is, we see this a lot in the church. Um, people who we would call them, this is such bad language, but unfortunately it's true, we'd call them counterfeit converts. They're actually not saved. Um, many, many, there are many people in churches that actually have not, been transformed from the inside out. They're just playing a game. This is the world's number one complaint of the church, is that we don't do what we believe. Um, and, and I think often they're, they're, they're looking at people who say they're Christians, but they actually are not following Christ. We, so we call them counterfeit converts. Um, but counterfeit converts are usually moved by their convictions, not their affection. The problem with this is Jesus says that if you love him, you will obey his commandments. Jesus taught that the greatest commandments were to love the Lord your God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourselves. And nowhere in there is that you should live by your convictions. Now, I have convictions and you should have convictions, but the point is our motivation should not be fear because of convictions. Our motivation should be love. People who are driven by fear are motivated by warnings, that they're not drawn in by the love of God. Um, people like this, um, they know what is right, but they don't have the heart to do it because they're not driven by the, their affection for Jesus. True disciples prefer to obey God and serve him 
while legalists intend to obey, but usually they fail because their hearts are not really in it. The third characteristic of someone who's not poor in spirit are people who are more afraid of discovery or punishment than sin. Are you afraid of sin or are you afraid of being caught in sin would be another way of saying it. Uh, Legalists are not only afraid of hell, but they're afraid of punishment and being found out in front of others and being embarrassed. This is a good sign of this would be if someone comes to you and you have clearly sinned against them and you find it hard to, to acknowledge that and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That could be a stumbling block for you. Often I'll get asked, um, usually this is like in youth ministry, if I do this, uh, will God still love me? <laughs> if I go to this party, you know, like, true disciples of Jesus don't ask if I do this because you would never want to break the heart of God. You would never want to sin again. You'd be like Joseph who says, how could I do this great sin against God? Fourth characteristic is people who are not poor in spirit are ruled by a spirit of get instead of a spirit of giving. True disciples enjoy helping and giving to others because they're aware of how much has been given to them because they know they're poor in spirit. Their spirit's the bankrupt. But counterfeits are always looking for ways to get from others. We might just call them takers. Most of their joys are from the anticipation of reward because they're not happy now. They're always searching for fulfillment later because it is up to them to find peace and joy because they have not recognized that that only comes from God. If selfishness rules your conduct with others, it might be because you are selfish before God and you haven't experienced his gift of grace. Could be. Wherever we see massive generosity, almost always we find that behind that is somebody who in their bones understands how much God has truly given them. People who are rich in spirit, um, even though they are, quote, rich, are not um, givers. The good news, the gospel, is that the person that God is blessing is the poor in spirit. It doesn't matter where you come from, It doesn't matter what education you have. It doesn't matter who you've been with or what you've done or how smart you are or how gifted you are. None of your skills, gifts, talents, even your church attendance, none of that unlocks the kingdom of heaven for you. It is only the love of our Abba Father poured out through the Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. That's the, that's the good news. That's the gospel. That's why we're here. And I like to say it like this. There's nothing you can do to add to the work of Christ on the cross. I grew up in church, and I'm, I'm kind of conditioned to be a good church kid. And, and if you've spent time in church, it can be easy to really subtly think that um, all the things you do in the body of Christ kind of makes God love you a little bit more. 
It's impossible. The kingdom of God is available to all who recognize their need and realize that they have nothing to give in return but themselves. So I got a couple questions for you. Um, first would be, have you been pretending that you don't need Jesus? I don't know that most of us would outwardly acknowledge that, but I am sure there are subtle and unconscious ways all of us depend on resources other than the finished work of Christ on the cross. Another question is, have you explicitly acknowledged your spiritual poverty before God and man? Do you really, really understand that you got nothing to bring? Third question is, is there a circumstance going on in your life right now that's probably painful and uncomfortable? You might not even understand the why behind it, but perhaps it's in your life to teach you about your great need for God. We have lots of crutches. We, we, we prop our life up with all sorts of things that fail. And maybe, and I'm not saying it is, but maybe there's something in your life right now that is not desirable that you wish would just be removed from you. Um, have you asked the question, Lord, is it here to help me recognize my need for you? That was Paul's thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Fourth, which is an interesting question, is um, if you have acknowledged your spiritual poverty, how have you been blessed? Have you actually experienced the blessing of the kingdom of heaven being given to you because of your acknowledgement of your spiritual bankruptcy? This is a fun question to answer. Because it is blessed are. I mean, talking about spiritual poverty, like, I doubt you got out of bed in the morning thinking, I want to go to church and hear about how poor I am. <laughs> the reality is, Jesus flips the world upside down and he says, but that's who is blessed. Other translations say, happy are the poor in spirit. This is who God is blessing. So as we um, come to the table today, I want to invite you to come with a posture of a beggar. We, um, it's semantics, but I try not to say that we take communion. I try to say, and sometimes it slips out, I try to say we receive communion. Because we don't like walk through the drive-thru or go up to the buffet and take the life of Jesus. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, whoever receives me. And so I, um, I like to uh, view our time when we come to the table of the Lord as a table, as a time of receiving the sacrament that, that just symbolizes the very, um, the payment for our sins that we could not pay because we're poor in spirit, but also the gift of life that is given to us because we are poor in spirit. So perhaps as we, as we celebrate and receive communion for the first time in this space, you come with that on the front of your mind. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge that we need you. 
that we are toast without you, that we are poor in spirit. And without you, the situation is pretty dark and dire. But for those here who might be uh, struggling with what that means and even just having a hard time acknowledging the gravity of what it means to be spiritually bankrupt, I pray that your spirit right now would overshadow every fear, every doubt, every religious hurt, every religious wound, and that this time in this space would be a holy moment where we can come before you and simply open our hands and say we have nothing and we need everything from you. Thank you, Father, that while we were still sinners, not because we could be useful to you, simply because you are rich in love, full of mercy. You made us alive with Christ and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. And while you had every right to call us strangers, sinners, and even enemies, you made a way to call us sons and daughters. And we say thank you for that. We ask that you would push that deep into our gut and change us and help us to be a people that exhibit what it means to be 100% dependent upon you. It's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.